You are listening to the Optimal Performance Podcast, sponsored by Natural Stacks. If you're into biohacking, performance, or getting more out of life, this is the show for you. For more on building optimal performance, check out OptimalPerformance.com. You were looking for a way to change your life. You got it. I kind of think in some ways, selfishly, that it should remain a secret because it is such an advantage. Knuckle start. Start optimizing your mental and physical performance. Optimize yourself. All right. Happy Thursday, all you optimal performers. I'm your host, Ryan Muncy. And today we are talking with a real life ninja, Mr. David Yarder. David, thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks for having me, Ryan. It's great to be here. Yeah. So before we dive in, I have to apologize to our listeners. I am a little bit hoarse. Uh, It's been a long weekend. This is the best my voice has sounded in a couple of days. So I will promise to to try not to cough in anybody's ears. Um, So for you guys listening, David um, is an American Ninja Warrior competitor. He is a business owner. He co-runs Power Park Fitness with his father. And we are going to talk about some really cool stuff today. We're going to talk about um, the physical training, the mental preparation that goes into competing for American Ninja Warrior. um, And that can cross over into any of the the new obstacle course racing, really any fitness endeavor and any endeavor in life, because there are so many unknowns and obstacles that we have to overcome. So um, David, thanks a lot for hanging out with us. And before we really dive in, got to go over a couple of housekeeping things. So for our listeners, make sure you guys head over to OptimalPerformance.com. You can see the video version of this. And if you're already watching, then you know in the background, you can see Power Park Fitness, which is David's gym. And it just looks like an adult playground. Um, We'll also have links, show notes, resources to all the stuff that we talk about at OptimalPerformance.com. And if you have not already done so, please go to iTunes, leave us a five-star review. Uh, We will read them on the air like this one from Greg Panis. Greg says, Natural Stacks is a great company. I've been ordering from you guys for some time now. I've never experienced better customer service with any other company. You guys do it right. And I also never leave reviews, but you guys are so consistently awesome that I have in turn left several positive five-star reviews. Uh, on your site and at Amazon because you guys deserve it. So uh, Greg, thank you so much for that. Um, We are greatly appreciative and we're happy to be able to help you. Um, All right, David, let's do this. Let's do it, man. Okay. So let's just, we'll fill our listeners in on, on how the competition went for you last year. You finished in the top 38. You made it all the way to the national finals at Las Vegas and you take it from there. Okay. Um, do you want me to start with the city qualifier or would you like me to just start with Vegas? Yeah, so I guess tell us tell us how it really works. I mean, all we see is, you know, the hype on TV, right? So, um, you know, how did you sign up? How did you register? How did you qualify? Take us from, from the very beginning uh, of the process. And we'll get into the training and the preparation later, but just, just the process and how far you went. Okay. Uh, so first I should preface it by saying that my dad did it before I did. So he did it um, the first year, and he did it at the age of 53 years old. So That's cool. Um, here I am at you know 21, 
And I'm sitting here like, okay, if he can do it, I'm here. I am kind of like uh, out of high school. I had gotten out of shape a little bit and um, just basically he inspired me to get on the show. So okay. I really started training hard. He had built a couple obstacles. So we started running laps on the, uh, on our property and training for American Ninja Warrior for the um, 2014 season. So 2013, whenever he went out, he fell on the spinning bridge. It's a spinning table. Mm-hmm. Um, the second year that he did it, which is the year that I did it with him, he fell on a spinning bridge again, and I fell on that same obstacle. So uh, this last year, we were both coming back with a vengeance. Uh, the way it works is that everybody sends in a submission video. So this last year, there were actually they set upwards of 40,000 submission videos. Uh, in this submission video, you showcase your talents, uh, you showcase yourself, your ability to be on camera, and um, you basically just you kind of sell yourself as an athlete for American Ninja Warrior. And of those 40,000 submission videos, they pick 100 for each region. This year, there were six regions. So out of 40,000, they picked 600 athletes. Yeah, so um, let me stop you right there. And, and I mean, I just want to know, how do you make sure that you stand out? I mean, 600, only 600 out of 40,000 people, you know, even get it. What goes through your head and, and how do you do that on video so that, you know, how long is a video? What, a minute, two minutes? Yeah, so a video is two to three minutes. Okay. Um, there's some stipulations on the video. So not following the guidelines, like having music while you're talking or something right. like that can definitely disqualify you from even having you looked at. Okay. Um, they definitely want to see your personality. I don't know if you noticed that American Ninja Warrior really showcases so many different um, routes. You know, everybody comes from so many different uh, spots, the painter, the dad, the mom, the, right. uh, the husband, the father, son. So that's where me and my dad kind of came in with ours is okay. um, now, father, did, son relationship. Did you guys submit? a single video for the twosome or did you just kind of intertwine that in each of your stories? Exactly. Okay. Uh, what you said second. Um, so I make a video, he makes a video and then in our videos we both pop in and do something together or, okay. um, so we kind of make it seem like we're competing against each other. Right. Right. So what I say is, um, I'm trying to stay or he's trying to keep up with me while I'm trying to stay ahead of him. So it's this constant like battle of chase, you know? Okay. Now in reality, is that, how it worked um or, or did you guys more it was probably more supportive than competitive for you guys right um yeah it's a little both honestly because since he did the show before me he had already gotten his feet wet and he had started doing the salmon ladder before i did so there was a lot of stuff that he could actually do before i could um which drove me you know just through the roof that this that my dad you know he's three times my age basically and he can just whoop my butt and everything so at the age of 21, that's when it really kind of hit me. I was just like, you don't have to be 21 years old and feel like you're 30. You just got to yeah, get up and do. The age doesn't matter. It's just the ability. No. and you know. Exactly. So in this video, um, like you, you were asking, just how do you set yourself apart? I would say it's um, being yourself. Uh, you can't be, you know, you can't be, you have to be very open, you know, very engaging with the camera. Uh, people want to feel like you're talking to them, right? right. They don't want to feel like the, you're making a video. Right. So um, be yourself, and then you got to pick something that just really works for you. So for me, and my dad was father-son, or for one of my friends, he's an oil field worker, so he works you know, 70 hours a week, and um, you just give them the honest truth, and they love it. Okay. Now, keep keep going with 
your story of that journey. So you got chosen. Then okay. what happens? So 100 athletes go to each region, uh, each regional qualifier. And on TV, you see it as uh, they show it like, oh, this happened a couple weeks apart. Like it's this long season. But in reality, it is one night after the other. Okay. So city, city qualifier is on Saturday and then uh, city finals on Sunday. Okay. So on Saturday night, it goes from 100 athletes to the top 30 times. And the way that works is furthest, fastest. Yeah. So if me and you both fall on the salmon ladder, but I get there 10 seconds faster than you, then I'm going to be ahead of you in the line. Right. That makes sense. Yes. Um, so they take top 30 times on the first night and then top 15 times on the second night. Okay. Now on the first night, I fell on an obstacle called hanging spikes. So it's these... Uh, red spikes that hang and you have to traverse through them with your hands. And at that point, uh, the obstacle before that, I had slammed my hands down on a mat. And I don't know if you've ever noticed, but as the night goes on, everything starts to get covered in moisture for Mm -hmm. the most part. Mm -hmm. So some of the athletes are definitely dealing with um, a little bit more harsh conditions than others, which is something we all deal with. Nobody ever complains about it. It's not an excuse. It's a reality. So um, everybody deals with it. Um, and actually I will say that whenever I got to the last spike, I hadn't paid attention to the guy that demoed it and I didn't notice which way it was swinging. So whenever I got to it, I was a little bit surprised. Okay. And I don't know, know if you've ever jumped into like a, obviously you've jumped into like a pool of ice water or something, but if you feel surprised, it kind of takes the breath away from you. And there's that instant of shock. And, and when you're trying to hang on, sometimes that's exactly. all you have. Right. Exactly. And it disrupts flow completely. Right. Right. So. Um, I got ripped off there. That's where my dad actually ripped off too uh, on the first night. And then on the second night, he ended up falling there and coming out around 19 out of the 15. So he didn't get to go to Vegas on the, on the second night. Okay. Um, on the second night, I ended up falling on walking bar, which is one where you're actually walking the bar like that. Okay. Um, when I got there... I would say I felt perfect. Uh, I didn't have really a whole lot of pump. I just finished the salmon ladder, which is what you see behind me. And um, I had a huge adrenaline rush when I got to the top of the salmon ladder because I was the second person to go that night. So I'd kind of made it the farthest so far. Right. And when I got there, I just had way too much swing and too much power. So I just overshot. Okay. Now, I think it's fascinating. On TV, it's portrayed as being weeks apart. How much time is there then between city finals and what is the next is the next step nationals and and how much time do you have in between so since the season actually starts in it usually starts in venice i'm pretty sure um and it takes it takes them six weekends to go to each city so basically if you if your city is last like the military episode they were last so vegas was two weeks after city final Okay. So they didn't, they didn't have a whole lot of time to um, recover from that, you know, I would say. Because uh, it's a pretty big shock to your nervous system. Uh, just the adrenaline rush and everything. It takes a week to recover from staying up all night, two nights in a row, because it actually does start when the sun goes down. So their filming time starts from sundown to sunup. So in reality, if you're chosen of the 100 athletes, um, you could end up not running if the sun comes up. That's just the way it works. So you could travel there, be chosen, and not get to run. Wow. It hasn't happened. I don't know if it's happened in a long time, but it, 
it does happen because if the first 85 athletes, if they all take eight minutes and they do really well, you're out of, you're out of night, right? Yeah. Okay. Or if the film crew runs through issues, uh, they take a lunch break. So we all kind of sit there and wait an hour while they're all. So, so how do you stay focused and engaged mentally and also prepared physically all night long? I mean, I guess part of that is knowing what number you are and, you know, you know about when it's going to be your turn. But totally. that's, that's still a, a tough task. Yes, totally. I would say the number definitely helps. Um, you kind of want to end up running before midnight. Um, last year I ran, the, the year before this year I ran at four in the morning. So I was pretty spent at that point, right? You know, standing up, watching everybody run. And this year I got to run around 11 o'clock. So it was a lot better for me. Um, but I would say everybody's a little bit different. Some guys are, you know, enjoying themselves and having fun and, um, you know, hanging around, swinging on stuff the entire time. I kind of go in there. It's for me, it's game day. It's, it's kind of like war. So yeah. I, I stay very focused. Of course, I'm uh, conversing with people and stuff, but I kind of always go back to my spot and just stay in the zone. I try to stay in the zone as much as possible. I was going to ask, I mean, how much of that strategy is, you know, maybe do, do you try to take a nap? Do you try to watch other competitors, like you said, to see which way the, the apparatus is going to swing so that you can get every single advantage possible? Definitely. It's a, a good mix of the two. So I always take a sleeping bag and so does my dad. Lots of other guys take cots and stuff like that. And we will definitely lay down. Um, it's very hard to take a nap because of the adrenaline rush that you're you're hearing that people are feeling, you know, on the course whenever they conquer an obstacle or, okay. or do something crazy and come right. away with it. Um, so you definitely want to watch. Everybody, everybody watches for a little bit. Um, you want to pick out the things that you know that you can do and the things that you know that are going to work and the other things I kind of just throw away. So um, I'll watch the contestants go through the course, and if I see something that I don't like, I just say that I'm not going to do that. And then um, once I kind of figure out my game plan on each obstacle, that's when I kind of go to my spot, and I'll do a little bit of visualization, uh, cognitive repetition, and then I really uh, – I like to promote trusting your training. I think your training is is where it all comes from, right? So um, not to be proud of your training, but you always got to rely on what you've conquered before and then use that to conquer something new. Right, right, right. So, I mean, that's something that we've heard from a few people before. And we actually had Ashley Merriman on who wrote the book, Top Dog, Science of Winning and Losing. I don't know if you've read that. but No, I haven't. She talks a lot about the importance of visualization, the, like you said, the cognitive repetitions. So, you know, here's, let's get into some of the training now. And, and we, I have a lot of questions for you on that, um, just because of the nature of the competition. So I guess first question is, do you know before you show up what the obstacles are going to be? The only way that you know is because athletes are showing up to the course while it's being built and they're taking pictures. So um, we have our little Facebook groups, our little secret Facebook group online, and everybody will get on there and start posting videos and pictures, you know, from a okay. hundred yards away of what they think it is. And so they um, never, they never announce before. They never anything. disclose. Okay. Um, so I would say that there's a couple of very, very, um, there's a couple of obstacles that are prestigious, I would say, right? So salmon ladder is always in it. The, mm -hmm. First obstacle is always quintuple steps. Mm -hmm. um, there's always a warp wall because that's kind of like the 
the hoorah, the buzzer, you know, I conquered that part of the stage. Right. And there's a, there's usually a spider climb or this year they changed it to invisible ladder. But they're constantly changing changing up the obstacles because we're always building them. So like this year I've already built a couple of the new obstacles that they had and I have plans to build the obstacles that I fell on and others fell on, right? right. So next year they may not even have those um, because it's constantly evolving. They have to stay, stay ahead of the athletes and we're trying to keep up with them. Right, right. So how do you no – <laughs> I guess what's what's harder than to prepare for is it is it the mental aspect of of not knowing or is it the physical aspect of of being prepared for for the unknown? Again, it'd be a perfect mix because uh, the first year that I went, I felt physically prepared, but definitely was not mentally prepared. I stepped up on that starting block and could not get into flow. It was just not working for me. Right. And uh, this year was way, way, way more pre- mental preparation. Um, just hitting obstacles in my path. Um, I did a race last February, so I was the race director of the race. I took on that kind of task. I've taken on this business um, by myself at the age of 24 years old. So um, I think all of that has kind of prepared me for Ninja Warrior because it's just about, um, you don't show any weakness. You know what I mean? You just be strong. Um, Prior to going to Vegas, I actually got a little bit injured and I had to put all of that aside as well. show up to the competition and still have that persona, you know, I'm going to be the first American Ninja Warrior. Right. Even though I had dealt with weakness for a week, over a week straight. So like a a lot of times, I think golf is always one that that comes to my mind because it's so technical and it's so built on repetition and and in the moment, you know, like if Tiger Woods is in a tournament and he's thinking about the mechanics of his swing, he's in trouble. (laughs) <laughs> it's probably the same thing for you. You don't want to be thinking about the mechanics. Talk it about has to be instinctive. Right. So talk about what you do. You know, like if he's on the driving range practicing, those mental reps and, and those physical reps are, are are being done as if he was in a tournament. So how do you like when you're in the gym that's behind you right now, how do you replicate that in training, especially for, for something where a single mistake is the end of, of your journey? Exactly. Um, I would say it's uh, you have to be very imaginative and willing to uh, thank God for crash pads, willing to <laughs> hit. You have to be willing to hit the crash pads. Right. Um, so if you come in the gym and you can do everything, then you need to bring somebody else in the gym with an imagination and go, hey, have you tried this or have you tried that? Have you tried that 10 foot lache over there? Or have you tried lacheing to one ball instead of two balls? Um, so it's constantly challenging yourself. And then putting yourself into that state that you would be in competition. So it, I kind of coincide them. So when I'm at Ninja Warrior, I try to pretend that I'm here, right, in my environment. Mm-hmm. And when I'm here, I try to pretend that I'm there. Right. So um, I do a little countdown. I hear, I see the guy in front of me going three, two, one, go. And then whenever I go, if there's people in the gym, sometimes it's a little bit scary to them because I will just run around the gym kind of fast. And not, not look at anybody else, and I'm breaking this huge sweat because I'm in competition. Right. So um, I'm trying to put myself in the same mental state as if I were there, definitely. And when you're there, you're trying – and rather, I think what I'm getting at is that I know a lot of people who the day of a game, the day of a competition, they think, okay, I'm going to do something special because it's game day. I'm going to do something different. But in fact, the reality is that you want to do exactly what you've always done so that you exactly. can – 
respond the way that you do in training. You don't have those unknowns or that that's how you control your adrenaline and your nervous system the day of the competition. Correct. That's a hundred percent right. Um, and those little challenges, um, people are always asking me, well, is that in the show? And I say, well, have you, if it's something that kind of scares you, it's something that you should try, right? Because if you have this big toolbox of all these little fears that you've conquered, whenever you see that in the show, you don't get that adrenaline rush that somebody else would get and go, oh, that's high, right? right. Or um, most of the time, I would say whenever anybody's on the salmon ladder, if once they get about halfway up, if they take their eyes off of what they're doing and they look down, they usually don't make it to the top because they got out of flow state when they did that. Okay, so I, I've got this written down to to actually ask you, and, and you've now mentioned it three times. So yeah. obviously being in the state of flow has a role or plays a role in being successful with this. Uh, talk to us about uh, your experience with that and, and how, you know, how do you practice it? How do you make sure that you can get there uh, in the competition? Yeah, so I really think it has a lot to do with um, – you can't have a whole lot of regret or, or a whole, a whole lot on the back burner as far as like um, unmended relationships or just, you know, issues that you haven't corrected. Um, I think you need to be at peace with yourself. So even if, you know, your family members are going through a bunch of stuff, that's just an outside stress. But if it's something that you can control and something that you're not fixing or a problem that you're not correcting, I think that's a something that's going to underlie in keeping you from getting into a, a real effective flow state unless you're going to use like a nootropic or something like that and just bypass it, right? Because it's possible to get into flow state without using something like that. Uh, breathing techniques, I like box breathing, mm-hmm. um, visualization or just um, visualization of, you know, basically kind of like a blank space, like a blank slate, like you're starting over, this is the starting point. You have to you have to know what you want to do, and you have to be deliberate about it. And you can't let uh, fear has to be fuel. It can't be um, it can't be a deterrent. You know what I mean? Right, and, and I think that's a good point too. Because uh, I mean, I'm I'm going to assume that for anybody competing in American Ninja Warrior, that it's not that fear doesn't exist that you guys have found a way to harness it and use it for fuel. So, um, you know, maybe a lot of our listeners can benefit from a strategy uh, that, that you use to help do that. So what, what do you think helps you take fear from something that could be paralyzing or crippling and turn it into something that's motivating? Okay, so I would say a lot of times, um, so like the warp wall or the salmon ladder, when a lot of people step in, they automatically assume that they would have to go to the top, right? Or, or make the 15 foot. And if they don't make it, then they're falling in hot lava and it's all over, right? The world is ending kind of thing. So a lot of times if we can break a big fear into smaller little fears that we can conquer, you kind of work your way up to it and you build that stabilization. Okay, I've done this before. I can do that. Same thing on balance beams. It's so simple, but a lot of my clients, when they come out, you know, maybe they haven't worked out in 20 years. Uh, some of them are off the couch. I also get extreme athletes that come out and struggle on the balance beams. But instead of having to, instead of telling them, hey, you have to make it from here to there or you fail, I just go break it in half, make it that far, and then make it that far. Um, so I would say that that's the best thing that I've been able to do because uh, with like putting on a race or 
starting the business, um, I couldn't go, okay, there's the, whenever you show up at a race, you don't look at the last obstacle and go, okay, that's the one I'm looking at. You, you look at the obstacle in front of you. Right. And once you conquer, conquer that one, you continue. Um, so I don't get ahead of yourself and then break it into smaller, smaller fears. Okay. All right. Very cool. So I guess you mentioned some of the athletes and even extreme athletes and adults that you have at power part fitness. Um, you know, like I said, it, it looks like an adult playground in there, but obviously some of those, uh, obstacles are, or could seem very daunting to, to an adult who hasn't done anything in 20 years. Um, Tell us a little bit about how that sort of physical activity can be more beneficial than the average gym membership. Totally. <clears throat> so I would just say that there's so much uh, cognitive stimulation in here as far as tapping into different emotions, fear. Uh, sometimes it's anger, maybe if you don't get something right. So it, um, you get fuel from your emotion as opposed to in the gym. There's not a whole lot of cognitive stimulation unless you're doing um, – maybe a, a high interval workout or a, something where you're really challenging yourself and your heart rate is up. So I would say whenever you're doing that, you're going to tap into adrenaline a little bit or, or get that feeling. But even though I've done something a thousand times, if I don't stay 100% focused and, and you know, keep it all straight, yeah. I'm falling, I'm failing. So, um, and people are always saying, I would say the most common thing I hear is, oh, it you made it look so easy or he made it look so easy. That person made it look so easy. It looked easy on TV. Um, it's true, but that's because of training and repetition. Yeah. The repetitions. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so were you, did, did this come naturally to you when you first started? I'm an adrenaline junkie. So, um, yes, a little bit. Yes. And no, I lifted a lot of weight in high school. I used to love lifting weights. Um, I played soccer, but tore my MCL, my junior and senior year. So I just kind of went to lifting weights so that I could basically hit guys off the ball. Um, cause I couldn't run faster than them anymore. But, um, no, I mean, I, I got really out of shape for a little bit. And then whenever my dad got back in shape, I still had some muscle memory, but I had to work just as hard as anybody else that comes in here. Right. Um, every day I'd go out and hit the course and throw up if, if that's how hard I wanted to push myself or sit on the salmon ladder for two hours and, rip open my hands and there's people that come in here and do that and they've grown leaps and bounds. Um, right. and the, the group dynamic here too is, is amazing too. Cause you may have a chick that trumps guys on the obstacles, you know, because strength to weight ratio or, right. Or she's going in there going, okay, this isn't going to be easy. So I got to put everything I have into it where somebody else might come into it and they're like, I can press 300 pounds over my head. This is going to be a joke, right? Right. So they don't put the focus into it. They underestimate it. But um, I would say everybody that comes out here starts to move better because all the obstacles on the outdoor facility, at least, they're, they're a lot less daunting. They're more like a military-style course, like a Spartan race. Right. So 12 of the obstacles are actually from a Spartan race. The obstacles all require you to move in uh, ways that most people don't on a normal basis. So a lot of times they'll come out here and then they realize they have weaknesses. They'll go back to their gym and then this is their assessment. So they'll come out once a week and go, hey, I, can, I did more than I did last time. I got that obstacle. I conquered that one. So um, there's a whole lot of victory in it. Mm -hmm. um, I would say the gym has victory as well, but not to the same extent. Right. 
Um, if you're up on an eight foot wall and you're not staying focused and you fall, it's going to hurt really <laughs> bad, right? Right. So there's just a big, very big challenge there, as well as the make you feel like a kid. Like you said, it looks like a playground. So I have 40 year old people coming out here and they're feeling like kids again. Yeah, I think that's something that's really important in our society today. I mean, I, I don't think adults get as much fun as they should. I think there's a lot totally. of there's a lot of spiritual, emotional, mental health to be gained from something like this as opposed to okay, let's go do three sets of 10 of another exercise. Exactly. Um, exactly. I would say um, you know, once you've curled 35 pounds once or you know, let's say a thousand times, it feels the same almost every time unless you haven't done it in 2 years, you may go in there and feel a little bit weak. But um those isolated exercises are great for movement, I would say. Um, the only way to get good at movement is to actually do it, but you can totally gain strength through exercising with weights. I'm totally yep. not against weights. I just don't really have time for it when I have to right. do this kind of stuff. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm not either. I, I'm, I'm a meathead as, as much as anybody, but I, yeah. I, I also love movement, and, and I, I can see the value of this for, for adults as well as adrenaline junkies, extreme athletes. Um, you know, another great book um, is Rise of Superman. Uh, I don't know if you've read that one. So No, I haven't. All right. So you and our listeners are getting two book recommendations today. One is Top Dog. I'll check them uh, out. And then the second one is Rise of Superman. And um, that's all about flow state um, and uh, how extreme sports athletes are utilizing flow to advance um, exponentially the physical achievements that they've been able to, to, you know, achieve. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and that one's by Stephen Kotler. Okay. So definitely check that out, uh, David and our listeners. Yeah, um, definitely. all right. So David, let's, let's kind of flash back to Vegas. Um, how many weeks did you have between, uh, your regionals or cities? Uh, how did you try to overcome uh, or, or make progress in the things where you struggled in the cities? So, like I said, in Houston, I really didn't feel, I didn't feel very weak whenever I fell on the, the obstacles. Uh, the first night it was one, I was surprised. I got to that one spike and it threw me off. Uh, the second night I fell because I, I didn't have enough finesse on the obstacle. Um, so our slogan is stay strong, stay focused. And if you have too much strength and it, it doesn't do anything for you, right? You fall 20 feet into the water. But I had six weeks from that night until Vegas. And over the six weeks, I came in here and there's a circuit on the wall and I would do it twice a day. So it's a pretty intense circuit. It takes about eight minutes. It hits every obstacle in the gym, including an obstacle outside. And um, completely out of breath, sweating. Um, if you've done a pre-workout too, too soon before, it will definitely... Your your lungs will need the air, and it'll push that pre-workout back out. Okay. <laughs> but um, so I was doing that at least twice a day leading up to Vegas. Um, 12 days before the show, there was a videographer out here doing an article for a uh, military newspaper. And I had done a workout that morning and felt that I was still warm whenever she showed up. So I didn't do a warm-up before I started doing some stuff. And I jumped up to a bar, and my neck popped. Basically, it was a form of whiplash, and I was immobilized for 12 days. Oh, so I, I couldn't move my head for 12 days or train anybody or do anything. 
and not an excuse, just a reality that I had to deal with. So two days before Vegas, um, I got some workouts in here and then went to Vegas feeling actually very strong. Um, I do have a really, really good uh, chiropractor and he fixed me up amazingly. Um, so getting to Vegas was just, um, it was kind of like, a, I didn't lie to myself, right? But I had, I had so much training up to that point that I just told myself that if, if 12 days was going to ruin my training, then my training wasn't worth anything. So I was fine. I was telling myself that I was going to be great. Uh, I was a little bit deconditioned, I would say, for the heat and being in the desert of Vegas while we're competing. Right. Um, so the first night, they have you up all night for, for photos and stuff like that. Because this is a TV show. You actually spend a majority of your time behind the camera, and then you get those couple minutes on <laughs> on the course. Right. Right. And that's, that's a huge mental part of it too. Cause you can't let all of that stuff knock you out, um, from feeling good whenever you hit the course. Yeah. How do you, how do you manage that? I think everybody does it a little bit differently. Everybody has their, um, their habits or, you know, I take BCAs up there and glutamine and, um, I, I take a little suitcase full of supplements. So I kind of try to hack the whole thing. And, um, some guys sleep and lay down. Some guys are standing up watching the whole time. So I think everybody just has their own little vices to, to deal with it. Right. But it's not really talked about. It's kind of weird. None of the athletes are really sharing that with each other. Like, hey, man, how do you cope with this or deal with it? Because I think everybody's just internalizing it. And do you, do you think that maybe all of the athletes realize that that's as big as any other aspect of it, and they're trying to get a competitive advantage by by not sharing what works. Totally, yes. Um, we are a very very knit tight group, and every guy will cheer every guy on. But you're there to win, so um, there are you. I mean, there's a couple groups of guys. You know, you can see them kind of sharing tips, or um, I'll talk with Brent Stephenson sometimes about you know this or that and. Him and Casey are definitely, you know, boyfriend and girlfriend. So they are um, helping each other out as much as possible. They, they're training partners. So whenever I was there with my dad, I'm sharing everything I can with him. You know, do this, do that, do that. But yes, it's very competitive in that sense to where um, some guys aren't going to give you their tools. That's what I will say, you know. I have visions of uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger in Pumping Iron talking about giving Franco the, the wrong advices. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> okay. Totally. Um, I would say that that doesn't necessarily happen, but, but you, you won't. You guys are pretty, pretty you know, tight-lipped about what works in, in that area. Oh, yeah. Okay. For sure. So you mentioned uh, nootropics, supplements. Uh, what are your favorites? What do you use? Uh, how do you use them to get an edge? So I would say for nootropic, it's definitely Siltep. Um, and we didn't talk about this prior, but uh, I've been using Siltep for, I would say, about eight months now. Okay. And it's just always really helped me during my workouts, um, as well as um, doing really good training sessions and just staying on top of uh, my thoughts, my ideas. With so much going on on the outside, it helps me focus in, right? Yeah. So, I, I mean, we've had people talk about taking it pre-workout, but I think based on what we talked about just a few minutes ago, how this, the type of activity that you're doing requires so much mental focus uh, that, that it is, it's different from the typical bodybuilding workout. So what else are you using? Um, you said BCAAs. 
Yeah, BCAAs. Uh, another nootropic that I like is Alpha Brain. So I usually do Siltep and Alpha Brain together. Really? Uh, that usually works. Yeah, that okay. usually works out really well for me. I've actually done dopamine brain food with those two as well. A um, little bit of a choline headache sometimes, I would say. Yeah. Especially if I have like three eggs in the morning, four eggs in the morning. Yeah. Um, so I can definitely kind of flirt with that. I've been able to flirt with that and not feel that like at competition. Okay. So, and that's just going back to what we said earlier, you know, not trying new stuff whenever you go to competition. Exactly. Uh, train like you race. You don't try new stuff or um, all that is stuff that will throw you off of your game. Yeah. Normally, I use Siltep about two hours before competition. Okay. So if the competition started at 9 o'clock at night, yeah. um, I usually would do it around 7 p.m. Because obviously, if I do it in the morning, it's not going to be there. Right. Uh, so, so that's cool. And then if you use it um, at 7 p.m., then it lasts you through? Most of the time through the night, yes. Yeah, it will. And then I would say the adrenaline rush of kind of, uh, of my time coming up is what keeps it going. Um, the Siltep is what actually keeps me focused the entire time I'm there. And I would say it's kind of it's on its way out whenever I actually do compete. Okay. Because the adrenaline of the experience is, will actually give you some flow state. Um, some people use that to their advantage. Some people, you can see it actually kind of shatters, shatters their world. You know what I mean? Right. They step up there, the adrenaline hits, and then they just can't get muscles to fire. And um, Some of my other favorites are uh, colostrum protein. Uh, so I do have you guys' protein okay. as well as uh, the krill oil. I love that. So I'm real big on antioxidants like glutathione, krill oil. Um, now, if you adaptogens, were, if you were to run out of those things, do you notice your joints hurt, your recovery suffers, uh, things like that? I can't tax myself as much and still perform as well. That's what I will say. Okay. Um, I do make sure that I don't do those supplements on a regular basis. So Monday, this is um, usually on Mondays is my day off, and I don't do any supplements on that day. And I'll go do some rock climbing or a really hard workout, and I usually feel just as great if I've had enough sleep and had a good diet and all of the things that go along with that. So um, a lot of these comp companies promote, you know, that these supplements will do this for you or do that, make you lose all this weight and make you feel healthy. Right. Most of the time, those people didn't take care of themselves before they started taking that supplement. So a lot of times the reason they feel better is because they're actually taking better care of themselves. Maybe, maybe they don't even need those supplements, right? Right. So a uh, supplement will never replace what you can do for yourself what right. discipline will do for yourself yeah yeah it's kind of like uh putting a spoiler on a car that doesn't have an engine in it <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly so um you mentioned adaptogens any favorites um i just like the like the mushrooms like reishi mushroom and um so i use a it's a soup it's called super shrooms mm -hmm. and it's from bokusuperfood.com i don't know if you've ever heard of them but they're just a really good uh they're a smaller company. It's actually a company that Spartan Race is starting to endorse now. Okay. But uh, I met the owner, Reno Rolay. I met him about two years ago at a Spartan retreat, and he introduced a product, and it was just um, undoing everything else that I had known about supplements up to that point, right? Because everything right. in, not to hate on any supplement store, but a lot of the supplement stores, most of the stuff inside it is just junk. Right. You know, it's filler. The protein supplements are this big for one month, and right. the, the protein container that I have for one month is, you know, tiny. Right, right. And most of those uh, supplement store 
brands hide behind proprietary labels and you know, exactly. all of that stuff. So. And that's why I love you guys. Well, that's why we do what we do, right? Yes, sir. That's right. <laughs> so um, let's, let's ask you the question that every guest on the podcast has to answer, David. You know what's coming. Um, your top three tips to live optimal. Yeah. So I would say number one is um, food is fuel. So if you're not feeling or performing um, like you feel like you should be, um, most of the time it's directed um, completely based off your diet, honestly. Um, I felt like trash after high school. My youth caught up to me, and I felt like I had uh, lots of stomach issues. I couldn't sleep at night. My blood pressure was through the roof. I was going to the doctor for medication. And one day I just got rid of all of it, and I just go, I, I need to start over. Um, so I started eating vegetables, just raw. Um, I cut wheat, dairy, um, basically in a day, and I didn't do it for a year and a half, either one. Okay. And that changed my life. So yeah. I went, I had a regularity as far as my stomach issues, uh, sleep. I was a much better person to be around. Oh my gosh, I used to be the most, uh, just a pissed off person because I didn't feel good inside. My right. body was always so annoyed, right, inflamed. Yeah. So food is fuel. That's number one. Um, number two is freedom is discipline is one of my favorite. I'm not sure exactly where I heard that, but that's one of my favorite. Um, or discipline is freedom. Sorry. Okay. Change that around. Yeah. But if you're very disciplined with yourself, you will have a chance to do that cheat if you want to or go have fun or do that. Um, the best thing you can do is take care of yourself as much as possible. And then whenever life hits you, it's not as impactful. Uh, number three would be um, surround yourself with just amazing people. Um, I have amazing people that come through here, and uh, the American Ninja Warriors are one of the most amazing groups that I've ever met, right? Like you go there, and everybody is just – it's this big army of disciplined people, right, like-minded people. So whenever you go somewhere like that, like a Spartan race or a Tough Mudder or – a CrossFit workout, um, you're reinforced by all of those people and strengthened so that whenever you do get hit by an obstacle and it puts you down, that person's there to pick you up. If there's nobody there to pick you up and you kind of fall in the pit, um, you can't do anything by yourself. So you're always stronger together than you are apart. All right. Very cool. Those are, those are awesome tips. Um, so something question popped into my head while you were talking about those. Is there a way, uh, and if not, I understand because equipment is probably the limiting factor on this, but is there a way that you could give us a sample workout uh, or some kind of challenge that would be American Ninja Warrior-ish off the top of your head? Off the top of my head. So, yeah, I would say, um, so you're looking for like reps or you're looking for just like one of my main, one of the best things that you could do to get stronger for it or. How about both? Okay. Um, there's not a whole lot of. Um, <laughs> so I would say do all of your core work from a bar. That's okay. one hack. So all of your abs, everything. Uh, so toes to bar, knees to bar, obliques, windshield wipers, skin the cat. Um, those are all things that you guys could look up on YouTube and you would see them all. Uh, do all of your core work from a bar. Um, definitely hang from a bar as much as you can. 
as well as um, you're going to want to transfer from one hand to the other to kind of strengthen those each arm because everything in Ninja Warrior, you're going to have to transfer from one hand to the other. And it's all body weight. So it, it's not like I ever get to pick 35 pounds. It's my body weight split in half. Right. So core is the most important part of that. Uh, so that's why I'm saying do all of your core work from a bar because whenever you raise your lower body with your abs, you're actually taking that work away from your upper body, right? right. If I have a bunch of little motors all over my body, um, if I can work them all at once, then I'm going to be a lot more efficient than if I'm just trying to do a one-arm pull-up with my bicep, right. if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so for as far as a workout, I would say, what what level are we going for? Is this just beginner or? I don't know, man. There's, lay down the gauntlet. Give us a little challenge. I like, I think you could do, get away with doing a good five by five workout. Okay. So maybe five pull-ups, five box jumps, five push-ups, five toes to bar, and uh, five handstand push-ups. So those five pull-ups, push-ups, toes to bar, box jump, handstand push-up. So, so five sets of five of each of those. I would just say do as many as many rounds as you can in three minutes because really that's kind of the time limit that Ninja Warrior functions around is three minutes. And if you watch Vegas, uh, you'll see how out of breath I was in two and a half minutes because it's basically a sprint followed by adrenaline, sprint, adrenaline. I like it. I like it. That's awesome. Yes, David, tell our listeners where they can find more of you and Power Park Fitness. So you can find uh, more about us at powerparkfitness.com as well as uh, Instagram at powerparkfitness, uh, Facebook, powerparkfitness, and then in, uh, Twitter is powerparkfit. So I post on all of those. I post nutritionals, uh, videos, videos of other people, uh, just inspiring stuff. Okay. I try to keep a good balance of just everything across the board. Cool. Now, we will have the links to those on optimalperformance.com along with the video version, the show notes of this. Um, and we will post the workout that David came up with for you guys on that blog as well. The challenge is going to be for you guys to do that workout, see how many total reps you can get in in the three-minute time cap, go to the blog, Post in the comments with your results and let David know how you did because uh, he has certainly thrown down the gauntlet for us. Um, <laughs> I will actually do it before we post the podcast so that when we post it, I can put my results on there and start to hopefully get some comments rolling. So, uh, awesome. David, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for, uh, for sharing with us and for our listeners. Thank you guys for tuning in again. Please head over to iTunes. Leave us a five-star review. And we will talk to you guys next Thursday. Nothing stuck. Start optimizing your mental and physical performance. Optimize yourself.